For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. You're tuned in to the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. Today, we're doing an overview of the quarterback class. Joining me, Joe DeLeon, is Ryan Roberts. And welcome back to the show. Special appearance for Mr. Alex Skillstrap. Alex, how are we doing, man? Man, doing good. Um, obviously, work got the best of me going into the uh, 2022 draft cycle. So, uh, starting it clean here, starting the 2023 draft season, and kind of have a little bit better work-life balance. I figured it out. Well, Joe, can I say on on um, March March 4th, right? May the 4th. I'm sorry, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. I watched Return of the Jedi. This morning I watched The Return of the Gilstrap. It is happening <laughs> today. so sir. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was so corny. What? <laughs> what? Uh, that, I don't. All right, I'm out. <laughs> can we just end the show after that? <laughs> Brian, man, I make ham-fisted references all the time on the FCS show, but man, that was that was, that was good, man. You don't know what you're talking about. That that is that is a premier dad joke that just happened for you guys. I, sh- I'm I'm praying for you, man. <laughs> you pray for pray for Juliet. I, I no, I'm praying for you. <laughs> Fair. Uh, well, I mean, we got Alex back, and. We're going to be doing these position overviews with Alex, and whenever Alex is available, he'll be coming on. And Mm -hmm. the show is obviously progressing as it is continually done each season. The YouTube channel actually, I think, is about to hit 1,400 subscribers. Hopefully, we get a little more money coming in. We can buy Alex a ring light so he's better lighting in his. (laughs) Oh, so you were the one with the bad lighting, and now it's me. Yeah, I got. I have like all this, all this bright lighting in my room now. I've no, got a Joe, nice Joe's just in an, in an insane asylum with the white walls. That's <laughs> yeah, all I got. Talking. I know. I need to get a. I need to get a backdrop. I need to get a backdrop. <laughs> so we're talking quarterback class today. We we've done a couple. Ryan and I have done a couple like comparison shows. But we haven't done like a full overview, and we've got a, a, some interesting points that we're going to bring up with this quarterback class. Before we do, though, I just want to tell you folks about today's sponsor, which of course is bet online and if you have some better luck than me and you don't get your first hit on a part first leg of a parlay right with the bucks winning last night but then you fail to get the warriors to actually play a competitive game maybe you've got some actually good luck and you want to make some bets head on over to bet bet online uh find all the latest sports developments including updated odds on the nba and nhl playoffs major league baseball fights and even next season's nfl futures BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to their website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
All right, boys, let's talk some quarterbacks. So before we, we get into talking about the way that we were going to approach this is talking about a guy that we all like that maybe not everyone is is really that high on, and then somebody that we don't understand the hype for that people are maybe not hyping up, but have a general appeal, appeal for and are considering them to be within maybe the top 10 range of the group. But I want to outline this, this quarterback class, and this quarterback class is going to get so much discussion throughout the whole process because of how bad last year's was and all you would hear even during last cycle was just wait till the 2023 class if you're a team that needs a quarterback wait until the next class and here we are now we're at that next class there are a lot of options there are a lot of different flavors that you can get in this quarterback group you've got smaller guys that are really accurate like Bryce Young you've Got tall, big body guys like KJ Jefferson and DJ Uyunglele. There are a lot of different options that you can go with here if you're a team looking for a quarterback. And there really is a possibility that we might see five guys drafted or more in next year's class after we have this market overcorrection for quarterbacks. Uh, man, let's let's slow the roll a little bit, Joseph. Let's slow the roll. No, we talked about this. We talked about this yesterday, and Alex, I would love your insight to this if you mm. agree with me. I think that this class right now is kind of reminiscent of the 2022 group. The difference is that there's two quarterbacks up top that you can get a lot more excited about. But the rest of the group, I think, is very developmental. Very developmental. Like, if if that class last year that we just saw with Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, that, those types of cats had a Bryce Young and a C.J. Stroud up top, it'd be the same class. So I, I'm not buying into that there's five okay. potential first-round picks. I'm buying in that there's two guys you feel better about at the top of the class and then there's a lot of question marks. But with question marks, there could be people that exceed your expectations or they could be people that fall flat on their face. Yeah, that, that was the point I was going to make. I mean, of course, right now we're talking about this class as if it's a two-horse race for the number one overall pick. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. But we've learned year in and year out, there's going to be somebody, and we're going to talk about some of these names, I'm sure. Will Levis, there could be an Anthony Richardson. There could be a Tyler Van Dyke, Tanner McKee, some people believe. Uh, are going to propel themselves forward to get at least in that conversation uh, to be in that top 10, top 15. So do I think right now there's five first-round quarterbacks in this year's class? No, but we have a whole another year, a whole another year of the cycle uh, before these guys declare or some of these guys declare. And I think by that point, we could see four or five guys uh, in first-round consideration. So I, I understand the thought process with that, but my only – it's not so much a pushback, but I, I think – Quarrel. With, say quarrel. It's a great word. It's I, I wouldn't even say quarrel. Like I don't disagree with it, but what we're where we were at last year at the beginning of the 2022 cycle, it was a lot of if some of these guys take a step forward this year, it'll be easier to project them to go in the first round. That mm -hmm. didn't happen. Sure. And the guy who went in the first round was a total wild card who wasn't even brought up at the beginning of the cycle just because he was he was average enough to, to go to a team that needed a quarterback. I, and I, I would argue that we have more options for guys to take that step forward after this, after this upcoming season. It felt like there were a lot less options during the last cycle. Am I, am I off base there? I, I wouldn't say off base. I'd say, I mean, a couple of guys that I was excited about last summer were Rat Spencer Rattler, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit today. And I was a big proponent of Phil Dracovic. Phil Dracovic was a guy that obviously got injured, was not a guy that was able to make the jump because of that injury. And Spencer Rattler, I mean, right now I feel like everyone's trying to paint 
Will Levis is this big breakout guy like we kind of painted Rattler as being. But that makes me uneasy. I mean, a little bit because his Levis's year that he just had was not even close to this redshirt freshman year that Spencer Rattler had in comparison. But I mean, I think it depends, Joe. Like there's always risers, like Alex said, like there's a Kenny Pickett that rises. But I think it's about getting the right guys to rise because there's, I mean, for instance, like I think in this class, it's like if a Devin Leary has a big rise, right? A kid that I like, Mm -hmm. but like the tools aren't great, right? And the same thing with Kenny Pickett, the tools weren't great. But if you get a guy like a Will Levis that takes a step and Anthony Richardson, some of these guys that are extremely talented, then I think that's the difference between why these classes could be a little bit different. It's just there's too much potential with downfall to me right now. Like it's tough to buy into a Will Levis right now because he could be Spencer Rattler where he just falls completely on his face and isn't the guy. And then what if an injury happens? But I think that you make some valid points in the sense that I think there's more volume. I think there is more guys because you could talk me into right now, Will Levis being the third quarterback. You can talk me into Anthony Richardson if he has a season to be the third quarterback. You can talk me into a bunch of different guys that have that potential. And last year, I feel like you had Spencer Rattler, and then you had a mix of Sam Howell, Carson Strong, like that type of group. And unfortunately, Strong has that injury that causes him to go undrafted. Sam Howell takes regression. So I feel like every possible negative that could have happened in 2022 did happen from a quarterback perspective outside of Kenny Pickett. I really didn't think anybody took a step forward. So just major projection. Makes me a little uneasy. A little bit. Another point I'll make with when you're talking about the depth of the class, I think last year we were relying a lot on, you know, uh, juniors to take that set forward and then declare when it came time for that. Because we didn't have a lot of those take that next step, there's a lot of seniors in this year's class. I mean, I'm just going down the – of course, Dracovic is someone you mentioned. Hinden Hooker, someone I know you all have talked about on a previous episode. Devin Leary, you mentioned Will Levis. The list goes on and on all the way down to like Jaden Daniels, someone that was – you know, people really, really liked going – uh, into last year's cycle, and uh, of course, transferring to LSU this year, he could take the next step if he wins that job. Uh, wins that job over Miles, which he sounds like he's going to. Right. I mean, the talent's Let's there. Let's hope, man. Yeah. Hope. You know, I do feel there. bad about. I do feel bad about Miles Brennan. Just a, a quick side note: like they, they were like, you know, they kind of sold him on like, oh, come back, come back, back, and then they go to the portal for James. <laughs> it's like, that's kind of messed up, man. That's, that's Brian up. Kelly for you. <laughs> oh, different conversation. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Alex. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I was just bringing up some of the names. So I think this year we are going to get that for sure middle group uh, of prospects that, you know, we're, we're still waiting on that next step forward for some of these guys. Uh, but, I mean, I think there's a good floor in the Keaton Slovis, in the Devin Leary, uh, in the Hinden, Ho- Hinden Hooker, Phil Dracovic. I think we're going to get a lot of guys that we feel comfortable day two with some guys that we're still waiting on that next step forward, and that's the reason they didn't declare earlier. Uh, that are going to be in this year's class because they are a senior now. So I figured a really interesting way, instead of saying like, oh, our guy, you know, like we always get that with with draft evaluation is saying like, oh, oh who's our guy in this class? I thought of a more fun discussion is, is talking about a guy that we're way too high on. And what I mean by that is somebody that we like that we probably really shouldn't that much, but we want to talk about them anyway. So I want to go with my guy first. Uh, and I, th- I said I didn't want to say my guy, and here we are. Where I'm, <laughs> I'm already saying it. The player I picked for this category is DJ Uyunglele from Clemson. So I, I have valid reasoning for this. Last year, he was terrible. He was really, really bad. He looked really good as a freshman. But last year, his statistics were all, were horrible. I think he threw nine touchdowns and 10 interceptions, or it was the reverse of that. 
It was no, no. You're was, right. He had, he had more interceptions than touchdowns. Keep going. Go it ahead. was not a very good season for DJ Uyunglele, and I think if you look at his physical profile, I think if you look at why he was so highly regarded as a recruit, and you and you remember some of those things, and then take a look at the issues that he was having last year, the context to me at least gives me some hope that he could rise if things are better this this upcoming year. He's got a new offensive coordinator. But the reasoning, if you look back to what happened to him last year, he was playing in an offense that had a bunch of big, clunky, slow receivers. And because of that, they had no deep threat options for him to throw to. And a lot of the play calling was all of these short route concepts and more often than not, those slow, big guys were just not getting open. And I felt like when I was watching him, I was watching a guy who was visibly frustrated. Alex, we were talking beforehand, and you were saying it looked like he had the yips. He looked like he was in his own head, but at the same time trying to do too much. And as the games, as these games would progress and guys weren't getting open, it's not like you could take the top off of a defense and open things up. That just never happened in in the games that I watched for him. And I just wonder if if things are a little bit different this year with the new offensive coordinator. Uh, I don't know for sure if any deep threats have emerged in that receiver group. We're going to have to see in the first couple games this season. But if this offense could spread out a little bit more, I, I think DJ could do a lot better. It just felt like he was in such a position to fail. And if we remember back to what he did as a true freshman and how good he was as a recruit, if he's in a better position to succeed, I, I would not be shocked if, if we're talking about him at the end of the cycle as, as a guy who's a riser. I mean, I, I hope it happens. I mean, I think the biggest point that you made was an offensive system change because they are – I mean, I felt like they still thought they had Trevor Lawrence back there playing last year, man, like doing quarterback run game and mm-hmm. asking a lot of him from an off-script perspective. And that's just not DJ, man. That's not his game. Like he's he's a sufficient athlete, but he's not a great athlete. Like he's a solid athlete, and he's a deep ball thrower. He needs to be in a vertical-based offense, like you said. Let him – have some time back there. And I think another big point is that his offensive line was bad last year. Like it was really bad and they didn't lose anybody of significance last year. So you hope with a year under everyone's belt, Walker, Walker parks and that group can kind of get things turned around a little bit. You would hope. So I'm, I'm hoping for DJ. I think the only thing that makes me a little hesitant on it is because I don't know if the wide receiver group is going to be that much better. They still have, they lost Justin Ross, but they still have Angada uh, and, and uh, Bo Collins and those guys who are still the same profile. Like they're both six, all six three plus, not burners, big body catch point dudes. And so, is that going to change? Again, I'm hoping that it's it's going to be better for DJ. But my last thing that makes me worried about that one, Joe, is that they have a five star freshman quarterback coming in too. Who, if you watch the spring game. He looked so much better than DJ. And again, it's that's yeah. apple to oranges a little bit because they're not playing against the same defense, right? But I'm just a little worried about that one, man. A little worried about him. Yeah, definitely a high risk pick there. I mean, he could not even start come week jo- one. Joe's a gambler. Yeah. Joe's a gambler. Throw it on green, right? <laughs> All on exactly. green. No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he has, obviously, we talked about this guy when he came in for Trevor Lawrence in 2020 for those couple weeks when he was out due to COVID. And Look, the physical tools are there, and he's played well to where we were talking about this guy as this this year's class that we're talking about. It's number one overall pick, 
And of course, this was before the Bryce Young breakout and CJ Stroud, you know, coming into his own last year. But this guy has what it takes to be a top round pick. But last year was really, really bad. And he's going to have to have to come back to form of what we saw in glimpses against Notre Dame and uh, in, in 2020, where he played really well against that defense. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if what that's going to look like. Of course, I, like you, you both mentioned, the offensive coordinator change could pay huge dividends for him as a, you know, and, and his outcome uh, for this upcoming season. But we, he just has a long bridge of trust to build back for, for people that are evaluating him. Can, can we talk about for a second how Tony Elliott was a terrible offensive coordinator and somehow got the head coaching job at Virginia? Well, cause like, that's not like a, that's not a difficult job to get. Is it? What? It's, I mean, it's an ACC it's school. An o- it's an okay job, but it's one of those jobs where it's an academic school. So it's, it's, it's like, it's not easy to recruit at. Like he's going to do fine there. They're going to be an average team. And that's all fine. you need with, with UVA. Oh, I, I think I think that program is going to go to hell. To be honest, I think they're going to be fun next year because they got Brendan Armstrong, who we haven't talked about at all. Don Tavian mm-hmm. Wicks, who's a really talented wide receiver. Billy Kemp, I think, is still there at wide receiver. They got some dudes, and they're going to throw the football a lot next year. But after that, it's going to get a little ugly. I think for Tony Elliott and the Virginia Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. I think Joe, I think it's going to get a little ugly, man. Speaking of uh, some new new scenery for a new a different face. <laughs> Speaking uh, of ugly, oh, that's not what I was going for. I'm just I'll saying. Just speaking, just uh, well, I, I guess some might consider this player to be ugly, but uh, Alex, who's your guy that that uh, you're <laughs> you're really high on? Yeah. High on? Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say, don't put really high. Um, my guy that I'm gonna talk about is Spencer Rattler, and I'm hesitant in talking about him because. We were burned on him last year, obviously. Coming into last year's cycle, he was looked at as the Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud of this year's cl- of that year's class, being the number one overall pick, and it was his to lose, and he lost it. <laughs> he played pretty poorly down the stretch and, of course, got his, as everyone knows, got his job taken uh, by the younger Caleb Williams at Oklahoma. Spencer Rattler has now transferred to South Carolina, which I think was a good spot for him. It keeps the level of competition up, but it, you know, it, it puts him in a more, you know, he, he doesn't have the national championship or the Heisman uh, hope that he did at Oklahoma um, and kind of takes the pressure off of him a little bit. So I think the change of scenery could be really, really fruitful for Spencer Rattler. I think uh, the talent is still obviously there. And I think Spencer Rattler is one of those players that from an evaluating standpoint, from the NFL draft perspective, we've all just kind of written off. You know, he had he had a rough start to last season, and obviously the expectations were super high. And maybe he just didn't respond well to those high expectations that he had. And I think because expectations have come back down to earth, maybe he kind of takes the stress off of his level of play, and he just plays better, plays with the level of play that we expect out of someone like Spencer Rattler with his with his skill set and his um, obviously high octane tools that he has at times. So uh, I think I think Spencer Rattler is someone that has a lot. Much like DJ Uyunglele, he has a bridge of trust to build back uh, for those that are evaluating him. But I think Spencer Rattler's in a good situation in South Carolina where he can focus on winning over the locker room, growing as an individual, because I think there are some question marks about his character uh, and his leadership. But I think he has a, a good just reset. He gets to put the reset button on. He gets to play a little bit more loose without those high expectations that he had going into last season. And I think this is someone that could, you know, if he if he plays, you know, above – above the level of competition, you know, if he plays well against the Georgias and the Floridas going into this year, of course they're going to play. 
I think this is someone that can turn heads and, and put himself back into at least the first round consideration uh, because I think he has that level of talent. Yeah, I mean, this is this is for me, Joe, honestly. I'd say no one has ever questioned the talent of a Spencer Rattler. You know, he's got a live arm. He's very accurate, too. I mean, mm-hmm. it, his thing has been decision-making and just the, the kind of character stuff that Alex talked about a little bit. I think it was a big step for his character, though, the fact that, like, obviously he had a relationship with Shane Beamer, who was the head coach for South Carolina that was at Oklahoma previously. But I think it says a lot about maybe some growth there that he said, I need to get out of the spotlight a little bit. I need to go to South Carolina because you you cannot convince me that other big programs did not want to take a shot on Spencer Rattler. He chose to go to South Carolina. I, look, I get that, and I don't mean to cut you off, but if, but you he, really wanted to, if he really wanted to get out of the spotlight, he would have gone to Bowling Green. Like well, South no. Carolina is an SEC program. They've been good before. They're a competitive team, and if you have the right players, they can be competitive in the SEC. It's a decent program. It's not like we're 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 talking about Duke here. Like it's it's a good team, and they just got like they also brought Austin Stogner with him. Like I, I don't think that like it's it's like he's stepping out of the spotlight. It still has attention on it because it's an SEC team. I mean, the spot. Well, well, yeah. I mean, you're comparing an SEC team, though. He's coming from a Big 12 team, and I think we can all agree that the SEC is a much better conference than the Big 12. The fact of the matter is, is that South Carolina doesn't have the same notoriety as an Oklahoma or some other schools. I mean, he doesn't. Uh, obviously, I think a lot of that decision he made was based off of the fact that he knew that Beamer was his guy and that he could trust him to come in and start right away. He didn't well, want to well, get let me, out. Let me ask you. We, we mentioned Jane Daniels a little bit, right? About him going from Arizona State to LSU. That happens pretty recently. You're telling me that, that maybe LSU wasn't calling up Spencer Rattler to come play at LSU? I I, st- I still think that he lands in a pretty good situation, and he's a little bit out of the spotlight. I really do. I mean, I don't disagree with that. He is more out of the spotlight, but like, I think if he really wanted to do that, he would have gone somewhere. I, I, I think it was more off of him wanting to go somewhere where he knew he could start because he didn't want to get beat out again. Right, but you don't want him to go that far down to a Bowling Green because then if he if that's he a, that's hyperbole. I know, I know, but but he still wants to play in a competitive atmosphere to where when he hopefully plays well and it hasn't shows improvement, it has more notoriety behind it. You know, it has more behind it than if he were to go beat up on some you know Maction schools or Mountain West. You know, those you know, like. Going and playing in the SEC at a, at a lower tier school of the SEC, yeah, South Carolina is a relevant program. Uh, mm-hmm. They could even push for top 25 consideration every every few years as they have. But it doesn't come – like you, Ryan, you made a good point with LSU. LSU is not very good right this second. They had an off year, an off couple years now. Um, but that's still – that LSU moniker – carries more weight than South Carolina and there's going to be more national television, stuff like that. Spencer Rattler gets to kind of sit back, play against a Georgia and a Florida without the expectation to potentially win that game. But if he at least goes in there and shows that he plays at a decently high level of play, mm-hmm. that's going to, that's going to carry more weight than going to LSU. And people are going to talk about, ah, oh, well, Spencer Rattler still can't do it against the Georgias and the Floridas and the Alabamas. Well, well, this is my thing, Joe. I, I felt like there was going to be two ways that Spencer Rattler was going to go with the transfer. One he was going to go to a Auburn or like some, you know, slightly down tier of an SEC school, which I guess he still is at technically, or he was going to go back home to Arizona. And I feel like if he yeah, went back back, back to Arizona, I would have been like, yep, he's Spencer Rattler. He needs to be comfortable, right? But I don't know. I, I think it's a good fit. We'll see how it works out. 
And he could have gone to Arizona State too, but it ends up being Emory Jones who does that. But here's my here's my issue with Spencer Rattler as a, as a prospect. I, I just I genuinely think he's soft, separate from what we were just talking about. It shows up to me on tape. Like there's been always these questions of uh, who he is as a as a as a young man and as as a leader and all that stuff. And it really shows up to me on tape. Like I see a guy that is really not willing to take contact at all like he looks visibly afraid of taking contact and i know that he's a, a thin smaller quarterback he's not that big whereas we were saying he's like six foot one very light frame um in addition to that though like i, I watch him take like handle pressure and i just don't think he handles it very well at all like it, he he kind of freaks out and the other thing as well is whenever he's sitting there reading the play in front of him and, and making decisions like i think he does a fine job of that but he does this horrible thing where he drifts backwards and we were talking before the show how a lot of smaller quarterbacks tend to do that so they can see better but the reason why that that's a negative and why you shouldn't drift backwards as a quarterback and this is a bad habit you can obviously work on but it's still concerning to see it on tape is that if an edge rusher is coming off the edge and you're stepping backwards you're shortening the amount of distance that this edge rusher who's coming off off the shoulder of an offensive tackle has to travel to get to you. The reason why quarterbacks step up in the pocket is it forces those edge rushers to redirect. So when you're drifting back like that, like that to me was causing problems, and I just don't like the way that he handles himself. I, I'm not a fan of the of guys that don't know how to handle and assess pressure. And guys that drift also, it's going to affect arm strength to a degree, right? Because you're not obviously on your platform and you're fading backwards, right. and that's not going to help arm strength as well. But Spencer, of course, is a guy that has a really strong arm, so that has not been a big hindrance for him in that department. Yeah, just the last thing on this too is like having watched what Daniel Jones has done. I, I are I would argue that a lot of times the guys that don't know how to handle themselves when they're getting pressured like that, it, it very often it's hard to coach it out of them. It's just it's really tough. All right, Ryan, who's your guy? My guy. It was almost Keaton Slovis. It was almost. <laughs> I need. I need to see it. I need to see it at Pittsburgh first. And he just lost uh, uh, Jordan Addison. It was in the transfer portal. So, not great start for Keaton Slovis there. But I have <laughs> hopes for him. I do have hopes. The guy that I picked, Joe, is a guy that we talked about a couple episodes ago. I like Hendon Hooker, man. I do. I really do. I thought his tape at Tennessee last year was was very very good. I really did think it was good. I thought it was good enough where he could have declared in that draft and been a day two quarterback. I still think that that could have happened. Because he is 6'3 plus, 220 plus pounds, 10 plus inch hands, like 10 and a half inch hands. He hits all those thresholds. He's a really good athlete. He didn't turn the ball over much last year. He had a really nice season for Tennessee. I think the arm is plus. I think everything from a physical perspective is plus. I think he's pretty accurate too. I mean, one of the more accurate quarterbacks that I've watched so far in this cycle. It's just always been about consistency with Hendon Hooker. I mean, at, at Virginia Tech, there were flashes, but he was just in a tough situation and with that coaching staff where I felt like they didn't take advantage of the skill set that he had, and I felt like the Tennessee staff did last year. They, they, I thought Josh Heupel and that staff did a really good job using Hendon Hooker, and I'm looking at this class where people are falling in love with Will Levis. People are falling in love with – and I am very hopeful for Anthony Richardson to be a guy in Florida – but people are falling in love with these toolsy quarterbacks. And I don't understand why we're not talking about Hendon Hooker a lot. I understand that he is going to be a 25-year-old rookie, but Will Levis is also going to be a 24-year-old rookie. It's not like he's much younger than Hendon Hooker. So I think that people need to start talking about him more. I might be too high, but I just – I see a lot of talent there, man. I, I just think he's very talented. I really do. 
you know, prepping for this show, I didn't know if we were going to go into top fives, but Hendon Hooker for me is in that conversation at the very least. I, I think I think he played with a. I, I know the question with him has been consistency throughout his career at Virginia Tech and going over to Tennessee. I thought this guy's played a lot better, just game in and game out. I just really liked what I saw on tape from Hendon Hooker when watching him the other day. And uh, look, I think I think Hendon Hooker right now is someone that I'm willing to put in the top five. I think he's on the back half of that top five right now at the position. I think, like you said, you mentioned skill set, uh, obviously has a, a good, not great arm. He, you know, he, he's definitely uh, NFL caliber in that regard. He has the athleticism and I think he did improve, which I think I weigh very heavily uh, in summer scouting. I want to see someone that projectively got better and better as the year, as his career has gone on, if he's played multiple years. And I think we've gotten that with Hendon Hooker. And yes, I know now he's uh, very mature as a, as a college athlete being 25 years old. And I expect him to, you know, play really well. And I, I, I think Tennessee is going to be in some football games that, you know, years prior they have not been in, you know, talking, let's go back to South Carolina with Spencer Rattler, the Georgias and the Floridas that they're going to fight in the, you know, for that division. I think Hendon Hooker at this point is playing at the level that I think that he can compete in those football games. And I think, I think he has a skill set to be an NFL quarterback. So I think this is someone that you're looking at on day two as, as kind of almost a lock. I think he's going to be a senior bowl guy. I think this is a day two quarterback. He, his film is way better than Desmond Ritter's from last year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I'll totally. just leave it at that. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to wrap, wrap, wrap up Hendon Hooker. Cause I think you guys all hit the nail on the head. I think we all agree that, that Hooker is a fantastic player. I haven't really rounded out a top five or anything. Mm-hmm. There's like two more guys that I want to watch before I, I put together any type of a ranking. Um, but I, I just think with, with Hooker, he's got that experience now as more of a starter. And I, I would like to see what he does as a full-time starter. The age thing does legitimately concern me. I think at the very least he'd probably be top, top six, uh, which is, you know, it says a lot. And, and I think that by the end of this year, if he cleans up just a couple of things, uh, he very well, like you just said, Alex, could be a day two guy. He has that developmental upside. I was super impressed as we talked about on that comparison show with his deep ball accuracy, which some of these guys tend to struggle with. Uh, a lot of guys I've noticed from this class don't know how to ha- have a lot of touch on these deep balls, especially like Will Levis, who we compared him to. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that that is very promising if he can just improve some of the decision-making and some of those those shorter throws that he, he tends to miss on. All right, guys, let's talk about guys that we just don't get the appeal for. So we're it's it's not that we're saying we're completely out or, or we, we hate them. My guy, I think I'm completely out on, but it, it's, it's a player that we feel has been getting just generally too much positive recognition. And part of that, it's it's there's always the box score scouting that starts right now where people just throw out names and then we start to watch the tape and then we start to, to evaluate and make some decisions. I, I don't think there's going to be any pushback on this one, uh, but Talia Tagovailoa, the Maryland starting quarterback previously at Alabama, brother of the weak-armed Miami starting quarterback, Please tell me you guys saw that 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 clip that they posted to us. What the duck? The duck said Tyreek Hill. Like he was fielding a punt. Uh, but besides Sorry. that, I was I've watched Talia and he is somebody who keeps getting brought up. Like is like is he uh, gonna be like a sleeper pick? It just like keeps like I'll see it pop up here and there. And I watched after watching like half of a game of him. I, I did watch a second game. I was immediately out on him. 
Uh, I didn't see any decision-making, really any coherent decision-making from him. He is a fantastic, fantastic athlete. Like he might be like a four or five guy. Like, I don't think that's a stretch and he's thin. He's not that big, but he's a really, really good athlete. And he is very good when he improvises. But I see a guy that improvises way too much. Uh, he aimlessly wanders. And again, there are a lot of throws where I was watching. Him like, who who are you throwing to? What was the decision there? Like, what are we thinking here? I don't think he handles pressure all that well as uh, as well. And that's something to me that always bugs the hell out of me with quarterbacks. But just overall, I don't see anything that makes sense. Good athlete, but nothing else does it for me. You know, he's going to put up numbers next year, too. If, if Demas, the wide receiver, comes back and the guy with yeah. Jarrett, he's, he's going to put up some numbers. And, and there's he's still going to get brought up because of the numbers and the in the box score scouting. But the guy is just not a good prospect. <laughs> I mean, and, and the fact that his brother was a top five pick, yeah. right? Like That's not going to hurt his causes at all. But, yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, he's he's much more athlete than quarterback, right? Like, he's, he's pure improviser right now, which – doesn't really translate. <laughs> like you have to be good in structure. You, it's, everything can't be outside of structure. So I agree with your. I, I don't. I mean, he's probably he's probably not even a draftable quarterback in my opinion right now. Like he's no. just yeah. Yeah, I think at best this is a late day three. You know, you're hoping that he's a good backup for you because he's going to put up numbers. Like you said, I was going to mention Dante Demas Jr. coming back from that knee injury. Uh, was it knee or ankle? It was knee. Something lower body. Yeah, it was lower body. But yeah, uh, but you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm really high on some of the guys that he has in that, in that offense. I just don't think Talia. I, I remember watching him his first year. It would have been what 2020, 2019, and of course, people wanted to watch him being Tua's brother. And I told, I went, looked at my dad after watching about a quarter of football. I said, "This guy is not Tua. <laughs> this guy is not it. Not Tua. He's the um, complete opposite of him. It's, yeah, it's, it's funny because." Because Tua, when he was in Alabama, was a little bit more calculated. He was a little bit more mm-hmm. consistent. And he's just like, I have no idea what's going on. The ball is going to end up somewhere, and we're going to score a touchdown. That, that's the vibe that I – did he have he had a game where he threw five interceptions? Like, that is what you're likely going to get from him over the, the five touchdown games. Yeah. I mean, it's like uh, – it's like remember Matt Corral had that six and five interception game a couple years ago? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, that's not good. <laughs> no, it's not good. It's that's not a problem. Alex, yeah. who's your guy that you're you're not feeling? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a guy that I've seen in uh, first round consideration in mo- early mock drafts. He's way too early mocks, and uh, that is Stanford's Tanner McKee. And McKee has great size. I mean, he's what 6'5", 220, 215 pounds. I, I, he, this guy, this guy's an absolute unit, and he he fits that prototype. He has good arm strength. You know, I wouldn't say great arm strength, but he has good arm strength. There's three things I wrote down when uh, kind of looking into Tanner McKee a little bit more, that makes me hesitant. First thing, let's go back to what Carson Strong had to deal with, the knee injury. Tanner McKee, there is some undisclosed, they're not really talking about too much, knee injury that uh, you know put him out in some scenarios going into the, to the end of last season. And it kind of continues to be a question mark. He's wearing a brace and all that. Uh, so that, especially after seeing Carson Strong dip as far to undrafted, Carson Strong did not deserve to be undrafted based on his level of talent. So obviously the knee issue is is something that the NFL is uh, you know taking into consideration quite a bit. Other thing I put here, and I touched on it at the beginning, and that is the number of seniors we have in this class. And Tanner McKee being a junior, I don't buy that this guy is necessarily going to be in this draft class. I think we have a, a number of seniors in this year's class that are going to you know, obviously being this year's uh, draft that 
are going to be at least in the same tier as Tanner McKee that I think he may wait it out another year, maybe get healthy, get right, uh, and hopefully wait for a lesser quarterback class going into 2024. And then the last note I wrote here is the fact that he just got worse over the course of the season, which I take a lot of value in. I, I touched on this uh, with Hendon Hooker when commenting on Ryan's selection. I value when in summer scouting – the ability to get better week over week, you know, from, from week one to week 13, I want to see improvement. I want to see you get better. And I felt like in Tanner McKee's case, he got worse. I think as the year went on, he tapered off his level of play, his uh, decision-making. It seemed like he, he all around just got a little bit worse. I think he had the last five games of the season, he had more interceptions and touchdowns and didn't have a lot of touchdowns overall. Um, and I think if you watch the tape on a couple of those last games that I watched, he just didn't look as comfortable. Some of that may be due to the knee injury, which again, just doesn't help his case in my opinion. Yeah. Now he, um, he's an interesting player cause he actually went on an L, um, LDS and listen, LSD mission, <laughs> LDS mission. What a mission. Uh, yeah. What a mission. Um, one is yeah, so very different than the other. One is drugs. One is, one is church. Very different. So he served that for two years in Brazil. I think if I remember correctly, and then he came back and like Alex said, he's kind of struggled a little bit with that knee and there's some flashes, man. He's a big guy with a pretty good arm. And I actually think he's an okay athlete for his size, which is kind of weird um, for being six, five two twenty something, whatever he is. So He's more of a wait and see guy for me. I'm definitely like I'm not putting him in a first round mock draft right. anytime soon. Like that's ridiculous, but we'll, we'll we'll see on him. I mean, I don't I don't feel great about it just because Stanford. I mean, has quietly been an absolute mess over the last like three to four years. They've been awful since the since Bryce Love had that injury that his final year. Right. They've just been awful since, yeah. man. Like it's been crazy. So I don't feel great about what's around him, but he's a wait and see guy for me. I admittedly, he's he and Devin Leary are the two guys that I still have to watch. Uh, so I, I honestly don't have much on him. You didn't watch have Devin any... Leary, man. Devin Leary is a. Is I was going to watch Jersey him last. Great. I was going to watch him last night, but I ended up spending more time on Tyler Van Dyke. We also don't have any freaking Stanford tape, so I don't know where the hell you guys are. <laughs> were you hey, guys there's, watching there's YouTube? Thing, things called cutups, baby. Well, I, I I don't like using the YouTube version, but um. I can't be picky. You got to do what you got to do sometimes, yeah. man. Right, right, right. I'm be, but, well, so like I, I wait to do those guys. I'm waiting to do those guys until the end because like I don't, I, I'm not, a, I don't like watching the broadcast tape, but separate from that, you're so, Ryan, you're so, you're, you're so bougie, man. So bougie. I know. I know I'm spoiled now that I have access to the, you should have been watching tape in 2019. <laughs> yeah. 20, 2018. That's, that's, that's all cutups. <laughs> those are, those man, those are dark times. I remember, yeah, I remember back in those days before I knew Jesse Fritch, I used to watch the videos that he posted on his YouTube channel before it got completely taken down. I thought it was so cool that that I was interacting with him, but now I realize he's just a total goof. But <laughs> I love you, Jesse. We absolutely love you. He doesn't listen to the show anyway. It's fine. I know he doesn't. <laughs> uh, Ryan, you're a guy. Yep. I can't say anything too negatively on Alex. I'll tell you why after. Um, but I don't say that I, I disagree. Yeah. <laughs> Look, man, this is the guy for me right now. Tyler Van Dyke from Miami has been talked about a ton in this class, and it's the box score thing, right? Because he had, I think, six straight games with 300-plus yards and three touchdowns. So, like, yeah, he's got the, the – Stupid I mean, stats. He steadied the quarterback room for Miami after De'Ara King got hurt, and you were just kind of like, what's next type of thing? And Tyler Van Dyke said, I'm next, and I get it. I, I see when I watch Ty Tyler Van Dyke – 
a not very athletic quarterback who's a pure pocket kid, which is fine. I liked Carson Strong a lot, and he was a pure pocket kid. No, Nothing against that. I think he gets billed as this rocket-armed quarterback, and I don't think he has a very strong arm at all. I actually think it's kind of middling at best. I don't think he has a strong arm. And then the processing for me is the worst thing right now. Like Carson Strong was such a quick processor because I'm going to compare those players because they're similar. But the thing is that Carson Strong had a much stronger arm and he processed really quickly and didn't make bad decisions. I started with the Florida State game with Tyler Van Dyke, and man, that was, that was a rough. that was a mistake because like it that was, was a bad game. He had yeah, like a damper on expectations quick, <laughs> right? I and I made the mistake too. That was the game that I watched because that was the one that we had in the but, in, but in Joe, the that, that was that's one of the worst things though, man. It's yeah. like when you start with a game because he had four touchdowns and over three hundred yards that game. That's one of his more statistically better weird. games. And it was bad, man. Like, it was a bad game. Like, just late and throwing balls errantly into coverage. And it was just, yeah, I, I'm just out on Tyler Van Dyke for now, man. Maybe he takes a step forward. and Maybe his arm's stronger than I'm giving him credit for. But right now, I just, I don't see it with him, man. I just really don't. Especially in first round mocks. Like, nah, I'm good, man. Yeah, I would, I, would, I, I definitely think uh, some of the talk on Twitter uh, for Tyler Van Dyke is a little elevated for what he deserves at this point. I think. I might not be quite as low as you right now on his arm strength. I think he has fine arm strength, like good arm strength. Um, obviously not an athlete, but yes, like you said, like this guy just processes the game at a, at a slower rate. And look, it was his first year with the reins. So maybe that improves. I'm, I'm willing to hold out hope. That's why I didn't put him down. Uh, but I definitely do think we need to dampen expectations uh, for Tyler Van Dyke because I think he might he might fall into that trap of, never being able to fulfill the expectations that we have for him right now. Alex, I agree with you on that because he does actually, like if you consider back to it, he has limited experience as a starter and he's been there for a decent amount of time because he's going to be draft eligible after playing half a season as a starter uh, because Derek King was there. And they also were operating in a much different offense when Derek was there because they're two vastly different quarterbacks because one's tiny and one's massive. So I'm at least like holding out hope that that processing catches up the speed and the new offense that Mario Cristobal is bringing in is going to to help elevate him and help his performance. Uh, so I'm not going to completely say like, oh, I'm I'm done with this kid, but I'm not gonna I'm not putting him in the top five of the guys that I've watched. I'm not putting him in the first round discussion until he proves himself and he he still has a decent amount to prove. I think that's good note to wrap us up on. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to hit subscribe button on the YouTube channel or the audio feed if you're tuning in on audio. Talk to you later. At Joe DeLeon, at Alex Gilstrap, at Rise Trap. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.